Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the 20 Minute Marketing Podcast. I can't quite believe that we're already into September now, but I hope you've all had a great summer holiday and I'm looking forward to seeing what the rest of the year brings to us now that we're gradually returning to the office and seeing a bit more normality. For first time listeners, my name is Liam from Reach Interactive and during the show I chat with experts on a range of topics that cover things like SEO, content marketing, paid ads, socials and more. We've published lots of great episodes, so if you specialise in a specific area of marketing, then I'm sure you'll be able to find some relevant episodes with a quick scroll through our latest ones. In this episode, we have a very interesting guest that is going to be covering a new topic. We're joined by Sarah Santacroce, who is going to be talking about gentle marketing and how you can win big by implementing it. So hi, Sarah. How are you today? Good to talk to you, Liam. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Not a problem at all. Really happy that you could join us. So could you spend a minute introducing yourself to our listeners, please? Yeah, so Sarah Sinecroce, based in Switzerland. I think you told me in the email exchange that I was your first guest from Switzerland, so yay. (laughs) I started my business back in 2006, 2007. I'm giving this blurred timeline because I moved to California and we noticed offline that we have that in common. You said you spent some time there too. So we moved to California and I just had my second son and he you know, was six months old. So I took some time off to get settled. And then I decided, well, what am I going to do over here? I don't just want to be a stay-at-home mom. So I started my online virtual assistant business back then and then slowly pivoted into social media, social media marketing, because that was what's going on back then. And when moving back to Switzerland in 2010, I then uh, fully concentrated on LinkedIn consulting. So LinkedIn profile writing, LinkedIn sales, and all of that good stuff. And that's what I've been doing uh, since about 12 years. And now pivoting again, as the title of this podcast says, more zooming out again and going big picture with marketing because I spent these 10 plus years in the online marketing sphere and trying to bring more kindness and empathy to the business world with a gentle marketing approach. That was a really cool introduction. I'm looking forward to finding out about gentle marketing and why you've switched from LinkedIn consulting to more of a top level approach, which is what we're going to be talking about during the episode. So we'll get started now. So let's start with your decision to move away from LinkedIn consulting, which you've done for over 12 years and into this new approach of gentle marketing, which we'll get into shortly. So what inspired that change? You know, I think, Liam, it really had to do with, first of all, my clients and my my community. I kept hearing uh, the phrase, I hate marketing myself over and over again. And I realized that to some degree, it was true for myself as well, even though I was a marketer. But I realized that marketing really is one factor that increases anxiety worldwide. People having to market themselves and having to market themselves in a certain way. And it's really the only way that we see out there, having followed myself, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of these marketing programs, is the pushy way, is the hypey way, is the, you know, cookie cutter approach. Here's the, my recipe for success, follow this and you'll be successful. So that's what led me to a point where I'm like, you know what, I'm just tired of following everybody else's advice on how you should be marketing and wanted to you know do it in a kinder way because 
I, I really actually went through this burnout where I felt like, okay, I, I can't be myself. I have to, you know, be tougher. I have to be kind of more business-like, but that's not who I am. I am, you know, the friendly girl next door who is gentle and has a lot of empathy. So I felt like I needed to bring in a different approach, a more human-centric approach. So that's really how this all came together. And that kind of epiphany moment happened in uh, 2018. And so that's what I've been working on kind of behind the scenes since then. Yeah, I think that's very interesting and super relevant. As much as I enjoy it, I think some things in marketing can often feel like a task, whether that's for your business or personal gain. And I think social norms say that you have to post on LinkedIn or Instagram stories on a daily basis, for example, in order to be noticed and stay relevant. And those posts don't take a long time, but I definitely think that they can be tiring sometimes. Yeah, there's so much overwhelm related to this and people feeling overwhelmed with all the shoulds, all the shoulds that they're hearing people telling them you should be everywhere and you should be doing this and that. And especially from an introvert's perspective, because I'm an introvert and my first podcast was actually all about conversations with introverts. And so I also know that there's a lot of introverts in this online business sphere. And, and so especially for us who are more private, who are more kind of discreet, we don't always want to be out there shouting about ourselves and how great we are and, you know, all the good things that we're doing. So it really is uh, kind of going back to the essentials and, and figuring out, well, what do I enjoy doing in marketing and focusing on that? And this is slightly off topic and I'm stereotyping here, but I always think about how in school and university, it's the quieter people that tend to go down the marketing route and the outgoing people tend to go to sales. And then all of a sudden you get into this marketing world and you realize that you're often the person that's responsible for things like public speeches, podcast talks and webinars. So that was definitely an adjustment for myself and I'm sure that it was the same for other people too. So moving on to gentle marketing now then, could you tell us a little bit more about it and how it can be used for success and what are some of the things it can achieve. Yeah, so I'm talking about really a gentle marketing revolution. And I think that is important to, to say because it really shows that paradox. Uh, because when you just say gentle, then people imagine, oh, this is kind of like wishy-washy and you know, it's definitely not going to get you business results. Well, the paradox of being gentle and being fierce. So gentle is really not pushover. We are still you know, very focused and we're, we're still business oriented, but it's, a, it's really this switch from the, I, I say, from the love of power to the power of love. And that sounds a bit woo-woo, but that's really what it is. It's like bring more of the human connection to your marketing and to your sales. And it's not just about, you know, being the best guru out there or making the most money or the most sales. So that's what I intend by a gentle marketing revolution. It's this paradigm shift where we still, you know, want to do marketing, we want to do business, but we don't want to use these kind of these techniques that all of the marketing has gotten used to, which is, you know, this overuse of the scarcity approach. So meaning, oh, there's only three left. And if you don't buy now, you're going to miss out and you're not, never going to be successful. Same thing with the urgency, like false urgency. I mean, there's a place to use a little bit of urgency to accompany our clients and say, look, it's time to make a decision. And if you feel called to this, then now's the time. But 
you see so much pushiness and aggressiveness in, in, in the online uh, space that that's what I think we need to reframe. Same thing with the cookie cutter approach. You know, it's like just because one guru figured out how to be successful doesn't mean that he can now sell this recipe and everyone else is going to be successful. It really needs a bit more awareness and, and, and yeah, like empathy, understanding and how to sell this. So that there's these different techniques um, where I just think we need a reframe. We're being told to focus so much on the problem of our clients and hone in on that problem and really make people understand that they're you know that their their life is going to fall apart if they don't use our solution. How is that? How is that going to attract good clients? They're going to come to us and uh, you know they're like scared and and have a lot of anxiety around this issue and i don't think they're empowered to actually use our product or service to to really get to a better place so i really think that if we want a long term business a sustainable business it is our duty to uh, approach marketing in a gentle way and not in that hypey pushy way just to get more bucks you know immediately yeah, that was a great explanation. And I think a lot of people see the top influencers such as your Gary V's and Grant Cardone's of the world. And they think that if you follow the formula of doing X, Y, Z and getting up at 5 or 6 a.m. in the morning, that you can repeat that success. Yet those guys have entire teams that are behind their content and their strategy. So it's not just them um, delivering that content. Yeah, and that kind of lacks transparency, right? So if the guru shows up and says, you have to all do all of this, but at the same time, they have a team of 20, how is that? You know, that's not being transparent with, you know, telling the things the way they really are. So I feel like transparency is a big thing in, in marketing together with, you know, showing more vulnerability and, and admitting to mistakes and all of those things. Absolutely. So you mentioned how gentle marketing can change opinions and make customers feel really valued. So adding on to that, what are some of the different things that companies can do or perhaps some success stories around gentle marketing? Yeah, so the way we we do that is really uh, like coming from this place of empathy and bringing I actually say the customer is no longer king because he doesn't want to be king. So in a way it's bringing in more of us of the entrepreneur of the business owners to our marketing uh bringing in in stories bringing in yeah this transparency this vulnerability mistakes and and, and really storytelling in order to make the client or the ideal client understand that they are actually on the same level, that they want to belong to what we have. There's no more hierarchy where the customer or the client is the king, but what the conscious client today wants is, is really you know, to be part of something. They want to be part of the same values. They want to be part of the, the same worldview. And so those are the stories and the clients that I see doing really well is, are the ones that are basing their marketing on common values and on common worldviews with their ideal clients. So they're no longer so much, you know, always talking about the problem that the client has, but they're sharing stories that make the ideal client understand oh, this guy or this girl or this company shares our, the same values in the same worldview and they happen to have a solution or a product that I really need for a problem that I have. 
So it's more about attracting and resonating with rather than, you know, chasing after like what we used to do in, in the past. And I, you know, raise my hand is, is chase after clients and, and f- find if they have the problem that we want to solve. And now I'm saying it's more of a, of a switch to communicating about the problem. I'm not saying we're no longer addressing the problem at all, but we're communicating around it with stories that demonstrate our worldview. And I see that really uh, working, especially if you look at kind of the the B Corp uh, movement. So these are companies who do business for good. So that's kind of more in the product sector. They really are all about creating community. And then these members of the community become their biggest fans and they become their biggest advocates and they are buying from this company because they are aligned with their worldview. And the same thing uh, also applies to entrepreneurs or online business owners. When we offer a service or a product, especially service providers, there's you know millions of other people who offer the same services. Like I used to or I still do uh, offer LinkedIn profile writing, right? Well, there's millions of other people who who offer the same service. So the way that I distinguish myself is by bringing more of me to my marketing. And that doesn't mean more of me, yeah, look at me, I'm so good. No, but it means like bringing more of my stories so that people realize, oh, I really want to work with this person. I have her work on my profile compared to all these other options that they would have. I don't know if that answers your question. I think it was a kind of a, <laughs> a loop, but um, I hope I'm making my point here. Yeah, it definitely resonates. And especially on LinkedIn, which we're going to spend a couple of minutes chatting about soon, you get so many people sending in mails or connection requests followed by a sales pitch 30 seconds later. And a lot of people are just so used to that now that they either ignore them or they don't respond. Then on the flip side, there are people that you connect with that don't try to sell to you but they're posting great content and in time you're able to learn much more about their services and personality and what they offer. And suddenly you become a warm lead three, six or 12 months down the line. Exactly. Yeah. There's just a, a different depth of connection rather than, you know, getting pitched the minute uh, you accept their connection request and you're thinking, who are you? You know, I don't, why do you think I have the problem that you're trying to solve? What makes you think that I have this problem that you're telling me I have? Uh, it's funny that yeah and, and at the same time there that's the thing right that's the cookie cookie cutter approach it's like some person tells them this this is what this is how it's done this is how you get business on linkedin uh send out these template things and and you'll get more leads and it just doesn't work anymore yeah completely agree and hopefully we might see a change in that soon but there's no sign of it slowing down at the moment So one final question on gentle marketing. You mentioned that you are turning the gentle marketing revolution into a book, but you're actually going to be promoting it differently than a traditional book launch. So I'm interested to hear how you're doing that. You know, I don't want to be the guru who now says, oh, you have to do the new book launch way is this way. I'm just sharing what what I thought about. And when I thought about book launch, already my stomach goes, oh, gosh, I'm not going to like that. Talk about myself and my genius book and all of that. So I was like, well, how can I reframe that in a gentle way? And so I started doing some research and I, I have to give the credit to two ladies who did something similar um, about 10 years ago. They did a, some kind of uh, event during, I think it was a week, and it was based on acts of kindness. 
And I thought, well, that's very fitting for my book because the subtitle is Reconnect with Kindness and Integrity. So I was like, well, that, th- I like that because then I can focus on you know, creating content around these random acts of kindness. I can bring in podcast guests and I can you know, have a conversation about kindness in business. And by the way, this is all sponsored by my new book. So it's more of a focus on the content and really providing value, I hope, rather than just here's my book and here's why you should buy it and, and all of that. So that's one side of it. And then the other thing, you know, how you sometimes just follow curiosity and it led me to Kickstarter campaigns. And so I was like, oh, some people, you know, do board games with a Kickstarter campaign. And then I was like, I wonder if people also do book launches or, or get funding for books and create a community around that. And, and yeah, indeed, some people do that. And so I thought, oh, that would be a, a fun way to also kind of create a community around an upcoming book and, and be it more about the cause, about the movement for a paradigm shift in marketing and and not just about me writing this book because I always say it's not my book I'm you know this is not like some kind of vanity book um so so that's what I'm kind of preparing and and uh, working on right now yeah that sounds really exciting and it sounds like fun times ahead for you moving forward I love the idea of speaking with others about being kind in business so we've covered gentle marketing quite a lot hopefully that gives people something to think about in the future To close out the episode, it would be really interesting to ask you a quick question on LinkedIn since you have a lot of experience helping people and businesses grow on the platform. So what are a few things that we can do to our profiles to help us connect with the right people and prospective clients? Yeah, sure. So to me, I always uh, refer to the LinkedIn profile as a mini website. So if you do a good job on your LinkedIn profile, then it almost is a it can count as a mini website. And and what's great I think especially for introverts is that all the selling is done on the profile. And so when you start reaching out to people, you don't have to write these long messages and pitches where you explain, I am this and this, and I do this and this. They see it all on the profile. And so it's almost like, you know, redundant to repeat what, what is already on, on your profile. So what matters really on, on this profile is that you talk to your ideal client. I see a lot of profiles where people, maybe they just you know, recently switched over to being an entrepreneur or a business owner, or maybe they just haven't paid attention so much to LinkedIn and especially the profile. They think, oh, it's just kind of some, some job page that I don't use anymore. But it is the first, one of the first pages, usually one of the top three results in Google when someone Googles you, uh, Googles your name. So it, it really matters to pay attention to it. So the most important thing is make sure that it's complete, make sure that you t- talk to your ideal client. So explaining exactly to your ideal client what it is you do, how you help them. That also goes for the headline. So the kind of the title section in your profile needs to be optimized for keywords and it needs to talk to your ideal client. And then, yeah, really go into the summary. Um, you can use quite a bit of content and some people think, oh, but I don't want to you know, go on and on. Who's going to read all of that? People who are not interested, they're not going to read it. But people who are interested, your ideal clients, they will read it. and it also counts the more content you have. It's kind of like a website. The more content you have, 
the higher you show up in search results because that's how the LinkedIn algorithm works. It needs content in order to um, understand who you are and in order to rank you in terms of keywords. So that's what I would say in terms of the profile, really consider it as a mini website and make sure that it's completed and that you kind of use keywords that are important for your audience. Sounds good. And yeah, when I'm looking for someone on Google, I always tend to click on their LinkedIn profile first if it's there. So we're going to wrap up the main section here and finish with a fun question on Sarah's career and her favorite marketing resource as well. So like normal, we're going to close out the episode with two fun questions. The first one is, do you have an interesting story that you can share with us from the start of your career that might be something that makes you laugh, smile, or possibly even cringe? <laughs> I think it's the latter for me. It makes me cringe. So um, a couple of years ago, I started investigating much more about affiliate marketing and uh, really learned how to use that in my business in a gentle way. I wanted to always use it in a gentle way. But it's a nice, uh, you know, second revenue stream for, I think, for business owners. So I got in touch with this really charming British dude and uh, he had a big list. And so uh, he's like, oh, if you uh, recommend my webinar, uh, I will then return the favor and we exchange kind of, you know, it's a collaboration. I said, sure, let's do that. And we did that. And then he asked me to recommend him to uh, an acquaintance of mine who was quite big. Uh, She had a big list and she was quite famous. So uh, I made the introduction and and sure enough, they got together as well. And then a couple of months later, she wrote to me um, and she was like, I wouldn't say furious, but she was definitely upset saying that this guy uh, put up a website saying that she had been his client for uh, ages and that she had learned so much from him and that he he was honored to um, now collaborate with her on this webinar. She's like, how could he? And obviously I was like really embarrassed. And it's funny because my gut told me from the beginning that there was something off with this guy. He kind of sent me, um, you know, uh, chocolates for my birthday. I was like, that's kind of, you know, a bit cheesy, but But so, yeah, it was one of these embarrassing moments that made me realize, okay, I need to re-evaluate my kind of my values and make sure that when I choose partners for affiliate marketing, that these people have the same values, that they have the same worldview and that we are aligned. And I would recommend that to other people as well to avoid these embarrassing moments. Yeah, that sounds like it was definitely a bit of an uncomfortable situation for you and your friend. So one final question, what is your favorite resource that might help other marketers or business owners? So one of the books that really, I think, changed my life or business life, at least, is called Essentialism by uh, Greg McCowan. And I really think that helps so much with uh, people who are feeling kind of overwhelmed, who are trying to do everything and you know, he really tells you to go back to the essentials and say no to everything else that is not a priority. So great book. And he also has now a podcast and that is called The Essentialist. So highly recommend that. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome resource for people that might feel a little bit overwhelmed with their work or, or potentially even personal lives. So we're going to finish the episode here. Thanks for being a great guest, Sarah. And I look forward to seeing the content around your upcoming book moving forward. Thanks, Liam, so much for having me. It was a pleasure. No problem. So thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll be back next week with another exciting topic.